Hey, welcome to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast. We are the Who Dat Jedi. We're all back home now. We haven't been here for a while because we've been to Texas and Mississippi and Dave went to Florida and Georgia and yeah. Okay. So we made our, so we made our southerly tour here. Um, but then we'll get to talking about that. It's great to actually see your guys' faces and, um, do something kind of normal. So, yeah. So hi guys, how are you doing tonight? I, I, I'm with you. It's, it's just nice to be doing something that doesn't relate to evacuations or cleanup. Uh, uh, <laughs> sorry, I was about, ready, I was about ready to say something about evacuations, but let's not have that on this podcast. Um, <laughs> so, um, hey, but real quick though, um, because we are the who Dat Jedi podcast, how about them saints? Huh? Um, I mean, that you know, fun. I, I was I was one saying, you know, if our defense can hold Green Bay, then our offense just has to score, you know, one more touchdown. And boy, howdy, our defense was lights out. And, um, and you know, and Jameis didn't make any mistakes. Actually, people applauded him the most for that one pass that he threw out of bounds instead of trying to force it, you know, down the gullet. And so, yeah, so... But the, the story the next day was all about Green Bay. It wasn't about the Saints. Yeah, they immediately pivoted that way. I that was one thing. I was I don't usually watch ESPN. Okay, just full disclosure. I I can't. I watch the live events, then I'm in and I'm out. And so I was watching ESPN because we were on the road, and I'm like, well, I'll just I'll leave it on. And I was working, and. Uh, whew. As some talking heads who apparently are good at what they do were immediately on the Packers and like, well, the Packers, what was wrong with them? They're terrible. And Aaron Rodgers is terrible. And I don't understand. And it's so it was all about them. It was not about what the Saints did. Nothing, and I nothing think- about our exquisite offensive line um, that shifted in what the first quarter was that when? Uh, McCoy got hurt, you yeah, know, and yeah, nothing, nothing about, on. like I said, our defense that was, you know, Marshawn Lattimore playing with one hand, you know, I mean, you know, I think some of it's confirmation bias in a way, like, I don't want to come off looking like an idiot for this thing that I said two months ago. So I'm going to continue to double down on it. And a lot of people dismissed the saints in the off season because of the salary cap issues. And of course, because of Drew Brees' retirement. So it's like, okay, well, I'm just going to stay with this until they make me look like an even bigger idiot, and I have no choice but to sort of reverse course on it. You know, and and hat tip, if you watched anything of Sunday Night Football, hat tip to Drew Brees for beating everybody to the punch. He was the first one. When they showed the highlight of Jameis throwing that bomb, and he's like, well, I guess that's what New Orleans has been wanting for the last couple of years. You know, <laughs> yeah. that self-deprecating here is like, you know, right on. That's, that's the way you do it, you know? It's... Uh, and so anyway, he knew, he knows, you know, well, and that's, and that's kind of the thing of um, everybody had predicted the Packers to beat the saints on Sunday. The Packers are the presumptive of the preemptive, you know, the preferred uh, NFC uh, title contender, them and the bucks. It's either them or Tampa Bay right now. So the fact that, Green Bay came out and literally got the blown, no, not a little bit, they got the blown star off of them by the Saints. 
it's, it's a lot easier to say what went wrong for Green Bay instead of saying what did the Saints did right. I did hear a few people kind of go, no, no, let's talk about what the Saints did right, but they were few and far between. Rich Eisen did, and I was, but you know, I was taken aback. I was glad for it. This, this is what I, this is what the way I like to be. I, I like them saying that we're going to lose. I like them saying that you know it's all about the other team and not us, and then we just keep winning. So, um, yeah. But, and look, it may not last because, you know, this is the nature of the NFL. We go yeah. uh, week by week. But right now, this week is good. So. This may be it. This may have been of our Super Bowl right there was, you know, that first game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's like it's a long season. And yeah. we could be looking back at, you know, a team that's like 5-12 and 12 or something at the end of the year. Who knows? Okay. So. I promised to myself that I was going to enjoy this on a weekly basis. I was not going to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. And that was before everything that happened. That's how. That's so how now you, I'm even more so. Yeah, that's how. That's how you maintain a healthy uh, football fandom. Um, well, so tonight uh, we're going to be actually talking about. We said the word evacuations. We're going to be talking about uh, kind of our evacuation stories. Uh, and a lot of our listeners are from, you know, the New Orleans area, you know, or the Gulf Coast area, you know, so they understand this. Um, but we're going to kind of link it. We're going to talk about uh, some Star Wars evacuations, you know, and um, try to link it in that way. Um, we got a little bit of news, but then also during while we all fled, you know, and actually it was right after Brittany and I got back. Um, so all of us have seen Shang-Chi and... Uh, I will say it from the outset, you two have ruined me. You two have ruined me because of all that Marvel junk that we did because now Black Widow comes out. We got to go see Black Widow. We got to go. And then Shang-Chi comes out. I have no idea what this movie is about. We got to go. We got to go. I got to see it. Um, and I was not disappointed at all. Such a good. So we'll talk about that in the second half of this. But uh, first, uh, let's let's do some trivia. Let's do some trivia here. Um all right, so I don't have my old man glasses, so I'm going to have to hold the card out very far away. Um, Fredo, who describes R2-D2 as, quote, an extremely well-put-together little droid? You've had, one of us has had this one before. I don't think I've had, maybe Dave has. Somebody had. has. Anyway. Hmm. An extremely well-put-together little droid. So now I'm... Got to make sure I don't hold the answer in front of the camera. Yeah, yeah exactly. Now, uh... I'm going to say Captain Tanaka. You know, I'm going to accept that it's Panaka, but Panaka. I'll, I'll t- uh, I said I said Tanaka, and I went, no, it's Panaka. You I'll, I'll I'll take that. Um, by the I way, I swear that's that's the exact conversation we had the last time we had a Panaka question. It was like, is it Panaka? Oh, yeah. or is it Tanaka? By the way, did you guys see uh, Star Wars Underworld on Facebook shared this, and it was a meme that said, "Did you notice that all in Empire Strikes Back?" Um, Luke tells R2 to stay with the ship and R2 doesn't listen. So because yeah. the last time anyone told him to stay with the ship, it was Anakin and he never saw Anakin and, again. And Mustafar, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, and I mean, I think, I think it's a happy coincidence type of thing, but that's a pretty powerful, if that was like, you know, hey, we got to retcon this in, you know, I don't know. That was kind of, anyway, so... Well, you get the advantage of, I mean, R2 is one of those characters that knows everything, seen everything. So, therefore, he gets away with possibly going or taking into account everything that's happened before. So, yeah. All right. You can have that idea. All right, Dave. This is the one I saw first. Who's the first character willing to trust Lando again after his betrayal of Han? 
I'm pretty sure it's C-3PO. It is C-3PO. Mm. And did we see at the Met Gala, little Nas X uh, looked like C-3PO? I don't know what that was. Of, but, uh, looked like C-3PO. So Anthony Daniels would be proud. Could I could I wear my Stormtrooper armor to them? No, they don't allow all white. Or it's like frowned upon no. to wear all white. So. But you got to hit the theme. There's a theme every year, and you got to be able to make it fit. So, say if it was like this year, it was like something having to do with America. So, you'd have to have taken your uh, Stormtrooper outfit and made it retrofit it, maybe put some red, white, and blue, some you know, gold stars or whatever. All right. Yeah. I'm not going to the Met Gala. Okay. So, here's here's mine. Um, <laughs> God. This is okay. I, I'm going to give us a different. Give me a different one because this. Guess what? Who commandeers an ore driven cart during the? Oh no, I can answer this one. This wasn't the one we sent to our. That was answered by our uh, listener. Who commandeers an ore driven cart during the Geonosian Arena melee? Um, commandeers the cart. I think that was Padme. Ah, it was Padme. Sorry, but that was like similar to what our uh, our listener. In, um, yeah, we, yeah, we couldn't name those critters. That's right. That's right. We challenged the audience, and they came through with flying colors. All right. Well, there's our trivia. And uh, so we're all feeling all Star Wars-ish now. Um, all right. Well, um, so, you know, there's this... I, we'll just see how this goes. We'll just talk about, you know, how we all got the hell out of town. Um, yeah. Aaron, I wanted to start with you because you, you said that this is your first time evacuating. <laughs> how was your first how that was, was my first, first time, time evacuating? It felt great. <laughs> <laughs> let, let me guess. Let, let me guess. It was an awkward experience that felt longer than it was than it ended up taking. And it was like a sneeze, but better. Talk about anymore. <laughs> Did you use the pressure? <laughs> so... Um, uh, you no, know, and so in all seriousness, no. This was um, this was the first time that that Brittany and I have fled a hurricane, um, and um, you know, so it was kind of weird because you know all the all all the while up even through half of Friday, I think. And by the way, everybody listening, we're talking about Hurricane Ida here. Um, up half of Friday, um, we were thinking because it was looking like the storm was, you know it was teetering on two to three, you know, it still at that time. Um, but then it was like later, it was about mid Friday. I think they started saying four and I saw somebody tweet. They said, you know, category three, should I stay or should I leave category four out the MF and door? And so that's why, you know, so Friday night, well, so we start thinking about this, you know, are we going to go, are we going to stay? And, um, I'm actually in, uh, cause I just started a new job a couple of weeks ago and I'm in new person training. And, um, and actually it's funny because it was like the first activity that we had to do in this, it was all virtual class, but they put us into breakout rooms and the whole activity was to basically, it was to talk about adapting and, you know, when things don't go the way you think it's supposed to, you know, how can you still get, you know, how can you still be productive and things like that. So they set us up, they didn't tell us this was going to happen, but it's like you're put in a breakout room by yourself 
And then, you know, then it's like, okay, well, then you get put into another breakout room for like two seconds. So it was really disjointed. And then we had to, you know, come together and say, you know, how'd that make you feel? And I said, honestly, it made me feel really kind of awful because I've got a hurricane coming at me and you're sitting here playing with me. You know, it's like, I'm not, I'm not dealing with this right now. So, um, anyway, so Britt and I talked, it's like, yeah, okay. I think it was Saturday morning. We decided, yeah, okay, we've, we've got to go. We had a place to go in Natchez, which in hindsight, you know, at, at the first time we knew that we were like still going in the path of the storm and, you know, they had that whole thing that was being tweeted out. Don't go this way. But we knew when it got up to Natchez, it wasn't going to be as big of a deal as it was hitting, you know, the coast. And that sounds like it was the best deal because when we get to Fredo's and Dave's uh, stories, you know, it was, we were on the road for three and a half hours and we were in Natchez and we, you know, dogs could run around the backyard and, you know, we were good to go. Um, so then it became, it was so leaving the house, I didn't realize it was going to be as emotional on me as it was. Um, I remember I had to go get something out of the house. We'd got cars loaded up and I had to go in the house to get something. I, I broke down and started crying in the hallway just, you know, cause I mean, this is real, this is real crap. Who knows if I will see this house again? Who knows if I will see my friends again? Are my friends going to be okay? Everything just kind of hit at once. Um, so that was tough. And then once we got to Natchez, I was like, okay, we're safe. You know, I've got Brittany and I've got the dogs. That's all I need. And Monday, um, of course, well then of course we played all just, we we're on, uh, WDSU's, uh, YouTube channel, just streaming, um, you know, their coverage. And so doom scrolling, it was just doom watching, you know? Um, but Monday I had to work, you know, it's like, I, I got internet, I can do my work. And I got about halfway through the day and my boss said, you need to close the computer and just be done until you can get back home. Um, or at least, you know, for the week. So, I mean, that was a blessing to, cause I, my brain was not anywhere. Um, so yeah, no, it was, it was really more unsettling than I thought it was going to be. And, you know, it wasn't just about, you know, our house and our stuff, but it was our friends' houses and our friends' stuff. Um, and we knew we had a lot of friends who stayed here and that was scary. So anyway, so yeah, so yeah, it was very, very unsettling. I think when we circle back to do like a little bit more of a Star Wars e discussion on this topic, that'll be one of the things that we'll probably want to center on is like, well, how does this affect the characters in question when they have to evacuate for whatever reason, they have to leave their homes for whatever reason. It's, it's an emotional thing. Um, I don't know. Should I go next? Sure. Yeah. Uh, so for us, it was very similar on the front end of it. Um, to what you were going through Aaron, which was just, should you stay or should you go? And this is this constant debate. Um, and yeah, I'm sorry to interrupt you real quick, but I, there, that was awful. We, I mean, it was like Brittany and I trying to figure out who's going to lead when we dance. It was just like, <laughs> it, uh, yeah, yeah, no, there's no good choice. Cause you're like, okay, well on the one hand, I've got this bad choice over here. 
And on the other hand, I got this other bad choice. And it's like um, choosing. And again, I think it's different for different parts of the country, which is like to say that not to minimize what people in, for example, South Florida go through. But I lived in South Florida during hurricane season for five years. And we I never once thought about leaving because there was just no genuine flood risk where we lived. Um, it And I think that a lot of people's mindsets in New Orleans had kind of, I don't, I don't want to say gotten into a place of complacency necessarily, but over time you begin to feel a little bit safer than you maybe actually are. And then Katrina just exposed so much. And I think ever since that, that experience especially for people who lived through it um it's become much more of a debate um should i stay or should i go and there's a very real reason for leaving which is your life could be in danger um full stop and so again the structures in south florida are built to code nowadays um there's there's less flooding risks, so there there are reasons that different parts of the country don't have to go through it in quite the same way uh, that the people in Louisiana do. Um, but again, uh, it, it's a hard choice to make, and for us, it was pretty much along those lines. It's like since it's so difficult, you kind of have to just like create a a a like cutoff for yourself. And like you said, Aaron, you get up to like a four, a category four, and it's like, okay, you know. Well, we, you know. And, and, and what helps, well, at least what I was going to say, one last thing about that was just like, we, it helps because you tell yourself this ahead of time. It's like, well, yeah, I've been through a couple of these things before, but if it ever gets up to a category four, I'm going to bounce. And so when you get to this moment of truth, where it's Friday and the people on the weather report are saying it's a category four, it might be a category five and it looks like it's going to hit just to the West of us. That even cause you do so much second guessing and deliberating with yourself that, that those earlier conversations, you can fall back on them. You can say, well, we always said we would leave, at a four and that and that's what that's i think Brittany and i were talking about i i I mean me both of us being you know i was a former teacher you know brit's a teacher it's like i think we need to have like a rubric hanging on the you know um refrigerator that says if it is this you're doing this you know just to take just to put a little bit of you know objective you know Mm -hmm. you know thought into it um, now, what was interesting, again, this is uh, my newbiness. You know, when we moved to New Orleans, our realtor, he was, you know, showing us around place. And I remember I asked him specifically, I said, okay, so they rebuilt the levees, you know, after Katrina. What are, are they good to go? He said, hands down. Yes. I mean, and it wasn't, he didn't seem like a used car salesman and everything. And so, <laughs> I mean, we trusted this guy and he was like, yeah. It, so, I mean, that's, that's kind of the the still kind of um, the story that isn't really being told is that, you know, that infrastructure, the the city didn't flood, you know? And, but what my concern is, is when you get to a, when they start talking about miles per hour, I mean, Dave, you and I both lived in the Midwest 
It's like never, unless a tornado comes right over your house, you know, you don't have that, those kinds of winds, but then also we don't have the kind, the massive trees draped over a house. And, you know, so that, that was one of the things that made us just go, yeah, we need to get out. So. Yeah. I, um, the last one we, we, um, so for people who don't know, we went through Hurricane Zeta last fall. Came through super late in the season. Everybody's like, well, we're done with hurricane season. No, we're not done. Yeah, here comes. Uh, this thing just came through like a buzzsaw. And it happened so fast that um, it just passed over us really, really quick. And and so there wasn't, a, it didn't linger and you didn't have all these heavy rains and all this. So for so people who either been through this or haven't been through this, they can kind of picture it in their mind. It was a very fast experience. It was four to five hours of really high wind, and then it was over. Yep. And so um, I think, like, with that, <laughs> I'm sitting here. I'm looking out our back window, and, you know, the whole thing is surreal because the eye wall passed directly over our house. So I was able to, like, look at the eye from the inside, which was weird. Um, but like during when the wind was really going i'm watching this pecan tree in our backyard this huge tall beast of a tree and it's swaying back and forth i'm like oh my gosh please don't come down please don't come down that was all i could think about the whole time we were there and so like that's again that's a reason to evacuate in and of itself like you're not having to experience that and live through it because it's yeah it's a stressful thing um, of course that tree came down during this last storm. And so now we're dealing with that, but, uh, um, I, I guess to finish my story is like, cause we could get like super long winded with all of this. Um, we, uh, we left, but we didn't leave until Saturday, which was when everybody else in the city was leaving. And so we headed East, which was better than heading West. As I learned later on, uh, Fredo's pointing at himself right now because it's like, oh my gosh, it's so bad. But we sat in bumper to bumper traffic um, for 10 hours, nine, nine hours, something like that. With and three kids we, and a dog. Yeah, three kids and a dog. And, you know, packed, you know, the car was packed as, as full as we could pack it. And, um, it was, uh, we had, had a bunch of food we brought with us too. Cause you know, like Kate is, um, like food insecure. Like it's like, I don't want to be us to go hungry period ever. And so she's like, we're going to pack all this food up. So if you've ever gone to a party at Kate and Dave's house, you understand what he just said. <laughs> guests, guests do not go hungry. Again. That's impossible. Yeah. That's pretty much impossible. I, I mean, I shouldn't say impossible, but, uh, yeah, you gotta I, work hard on it. Yeah, you gotta work real hard to to leave our our place hungry. But uh, yeah, so she, she packed all this food up. Some of it survived the trip, and some of it didn't because we were we were literally in the car all day. So, um, but my um, oh, I you know I I work at a job where we have these part time shifts to get you know they get um set about a week in advance or so so i had this shift scheduled for sunday just staring me in the face all week and by about thursday or friday i was i 
including my boss, I was like, I think we may have to evacuate and you, you may have to find somebody else to work this shift for me. And nobody came through. <laughs> and so it was like Sunday afternoon. And he's like, all right, I think we've cobbled together this plan where this guy's going to take an hour and this other person's going to take an hour. And it's like, I'm just going to work. It's fine. We were at that point at um, Kate's cousin. And I was like, she has stable internet. We're safe. I can do it. And that was one of the harder work shifts I've ever had because we were watching live the storm yeah. batter our home. And I had to try to work through that. And I think like people, I know a lot of people like to give people who work in media a hard time and, uh, Oh, well, you know, they're jerks or the, you know, fake news or whatever. Um, but I think like people should take a moment and think about like that kind of an experience. Cause like, I wasn't even covering the storm. So like, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do this sports thing over here on the side that I can barely focus on, but I'm able to do it because the, you know, I have to be a professional, but like, think about the people who are at ground zero trying to cover this stuff and inform their local audience. However, if I can say mm -hmm. the dumbest thing in the world is to have people standing outside in the middle of a stupid hurricane. <laughs> oh yeah. We all agree about that. I mean, you know, like, what are you doing? Come on. <laughs> and, and the high, and the highlight were that when the weather channel guys were like, you know, down on, uh, on Poitras oh, trying to, yeah. trying to make it look like, you know, Gilligan's Island and dudes are walking behind him with a beer. I mean, that was just like perfect New Orleans. That was Orleans. a guy that did like a like a, a like cartwheel. a backflip. Yeah. yeah, a cartwheel. No, you know, and <laughs> Dave, you, you bring up a, you bring up a good point. It's like uh, the, the tale of two different worlds. Where you know my work experience, I'm new at this job and I couldn't focus. And I told my boss, I said I feel bad because the writer that I'm taking over for said, "Hey, can you jump on a call and shadow me on da da da?" And I just replied back, "No." I can't. And it took me like five minutes to write that response. I couldn't figure out how to say it without sounding like a jerk, but I was like just trying to focus on anything and it wasn't working. And then to, when I told my boss that and she was, that's when she said, all right, you just need to take the time. I said, no problem. We got you. You're good. And, and then uh, you have other places where it's like, you know, no, sorry. You, you, you gotta do it. I need you here. Um, anyway, so yeah, but that's a real experience. You're thinking about your home. You're thinking about your belongings. You're thinking about all your friends and neighbors, people who didn't evacuate. Um, and as much as you try to tell yourself that they're just things, meaning the stuff in your home, mm -hmm. and you think you grab the most important stuff, that, that doesn't matter. I mean, that's all That's all McClunky. Um, you, because you know, it, you know the lift that it would take. To, to replace those things and to like do the cleanup, et cetera, you know, trying to salvage things. If things go completely sideways on you, like that's in the back of your mind, you know, it's like, well, it's just stuff. It's like, well, I'm still going to have to deal with the fallout one way or the other, either I'm going to be able to salvage some of my stuff mm. or 
I'm not going to be able well, and, to, and I'm still going to have to clean up. And I know this is going to sound, I'm sorry, Fredo, we're going to get to how long does it take one to get to Houston here in a second. Um, and I, this is going to sound like the, the most trivial, crappy thing in the world, but I'm sitting here in my, my Star Wars room, all the, you know, and I, all that stuff could be gone. You know, it's like, and there, there is some, you know, it is, it's all stuff. And at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. But, you know, it's, you know, you know, the, the things that we amass are kind of, you know, that we've deemed are important to us. You know, they're, they're part of us. And it, and so, but, but then I think about, you know, people who don't have a lot and lose everything. And it's like, and I'm worried about losing my stormtrooper armor. It's like that, that then brings me down to, all right, you know, get over yourself, buttercup, you know, and you, like I said, I, I did try to talk myself down. So I've, like I said, I've got my wife and I got my dogs. They're safe. You know, we're good. Um, but still it was very hard. So Fredo, how long does it normally take one to get to Houston? If you're doing it fast, you could do it in about five, five and a half hours. If you're taking your time, like I did Sunday when we got, finally got back, it's about seven. Uh, normally, on average, it's a six-hour drive. That's the normal drive. So before I tell you everything that happened, I'll go back to kind of the same, doing the same math that you and Dave were doing. Because Friday, I mean, I went to bed Thursday thinking category one, category two. And it looks like it's mostly going to be a brain issue for us. Okay, not a problem wake up Friday and it's already, they're talking category three and maybe potentially hitting four. And then my supervisor sent me a text saying, look, we told our director, we're going to work from home, get yourself together. Cause she knows I've also helped take care of my parents who are, you know, once retired, once uh, should be retired, but she's still kind of working. So, um, so as this day went along, I'm like, okay, I'm packing my suitcase. We were supposed to go on vacation Thursday of that week, we're going to fly up to finally see my brother in Chicago who moved last year. Uh, but at the time, I'm not even thinking that. I'm just thinking, okay, this is now strong enough to be a threat. And the way I kind of thought about it when I got to my folks that that, that evening, I was like, look, you know, we've already been, you know, through, I know the area doesn't flood, so the flood concern wasn't there. Unless the sucker lands on top of us, I'm not worried about the wind. I was worried, however, with the power being out because That's last the, year and it's and, Seda knocked us out. And it's and it's hot AF right now in North It's, it's the peak it's of been, summer. It's yeah, it's been upper eighties, nineties and humid. Sorry. Has, yeah. Yeah. It's been ninety all ninety plus all the last couple of weeks, which combined with the heat index, it makes it feel like a hundred. I actually had a coworker who stayed through and afterwards and she said you could not, you know, you you step out the shower and get dry. Because you know it all, it would all you know you know it all fade away in the heat. So, uh, and I'm like, um, mm-hmm, go ahead. I was just gonna say one thing too. Like people have died mm-hmm. from this. From people the, we know from the heat. Yeah, people we know people have died old. from the heat. And um, again, it, it's been a lot worse for the communities outside of New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, New Orleans has actually mostly not seen the worst of it. But there are still people that lived here in the city that have died. Mm-hmm. So 
then it's and it's one of two it's either carbon monoxide poisoning from trying to deal with their generators as a result of trying to manage the heat or it's been the inability to uh, evacuate and being stuck home with this heat so having already dealt with people you know elderly folks last year through zeta and no power no ac i was like we're not putting up with that. I have two brothers who live in, you moved out to Houston. We can go be there. I just told my folks, pack a bag. We can change our flights. We can fly out of Houston. It's not going to be a big deal. However, for reasons beyond my help, we couldn't leave till next morning, meaning Saturday morning at 7.30 in the morning. And, and I'll be fair. It was a bit of bumper to bumper getting out. But once you had hit the Bonnie Carey spillway, it kind of cleared up. And smooth sailing plus Laplace, smooth sailing all up you get to baton rouge we got to baton rouge about 9 30 and i figure okay if this is the time we're making we should make it to houston maybe by nightfall you know, six o'clock seven o'clock it took us five and a half hours just to make it across the mississippi river bridge normally for people who've never been to baton rouge that's about a 20 minute drive it was bumper to bumper everybody was evacuating because the thing is it wasn't just new orleans or the great new orleans area that was evacuating it was all the areas in the river parishes, so west of New Orleans, south of I-10, which is the hardest hit area. Everybody in Baton Rouge, because the projected path said it was going to hit Baton Rouge yeah. or two, and we've got the memory of being from just a few years back, which all backed up into their homes, and they don't want to be there. And I even and I even think folks west of them, even as far as back as Lafayette, were evacuating. So, well, just think of the areas. Home. Think of the areas south of New Orleans too. You know, yeah, you, you the, mentioned you mentioned the river parishes, but that extends all the way down into like South Terrebonne and places exactly. like that. You know, those people were had to evacuate. Where are they going to go? Well, yeah. So, listeners, Basically, listeners, I want you to remember he left at seven thirty Saturday morning. So, okay, so we left. So this is now about three thirty in the afternoon, just to get a one-hour drive. Normally, it takes one hour to go from New Orleans to Baton Rouge. It took me the better part of 7.30 to about 3.30 in the afternoon. And part of me was thinking, okay, maybe we should find an alternate route, but we decided to stick it. And lo and behold, it took us 20 plus hours just to make it to the Texas-Louisiana border. By hour 15, my eyes were getting glassy. I had to ask my dad to switch, swap out with me. He drove us past Lake Charles. And if you ask me to this, I have no memory of Lake Charles. I just collapsed from being exhausted. I know we passed the bridge, and I remember waking up afterwards because there was an accident. By this point, there were, I mean, there have been people using the shoulder to lie down because they were so exhausted and tired. And, but by this point, there were people just parked on the side of the road, either out of gas or just exhaustion. You know, that's the one car that was in flames. And just then the, the last seven miles to make it past uh, Vinton into uh, Texas, that took us just two hours. And that was about uh, four o'clock in the morning. So it was about 20, 21 hours. So, okay, so 7.30 in the morning, I left, we left my, my parents' front door. I made it to my brother's front door in Houston at 8.30 Sunday morning. So 25 hours. 25 hour drive. For, for something uh, that normally, usually takes about five and a half if you're going hustling, hours, yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. With, and, with your parents in the car. <laughs> with my parents or my elderly folks. And that's the thing. I couldn't, you know, normally I would have been like, okay, somebody else drive. I get some rest. But my mom had been up all night. She was exhausted. My aunt 
can't really drive. My dad, who can't drive, yeah, he, you know, they'll put it this way, he was also tired. So it was just a lot of a lot. And at that point, I was just like, Ugh. so. So you when, know, you, when you swear, do you swear in English or in Spanish or both? Both, both. They both come out at the same time. And, uh, uh, it, and you know, our good friend Scott Colesby uh, texted us because uh, he and his better half evacuated to Chicago, uh, Chicago, which is a 14-hour drive. And remember, we're supposed to be flying to Chicago. And I kept kicking myself those last two, three hours. I'm like, we should have just driven to Chicago. We would have been there by now. And yeah, in retrospect, that's what we should have done. But And then it was just a doom scrolling, the waiting. We did have a nice week in Chicago, so, kind of rest. But You know, it, really, is, it is one of those things where, okay, so maybe you guys can talk me down off of this one. But so when, like when we lived in Nebraska and we would go to, um, uh, if you wanted to go to a hockey game, uh, there was like one main drag that everybody, everybody in the whole city went down to get to. And so it was, you were to go two miles. It took you like an hour, you know, it was just awful. Mm -hmm. And some people started like going out North part of town and taking all these side roads and going about 10 miles out of their way to get on the interstate and come. And it, it took them maybe about the same amount of time, but at least they were moving and so it's like Brittany and I were talking about that. It was like, even if it was like, even if we weren't going to Natchez, cause we ended up in Texas uh, at my sister's then a couple of days later, it's like, I almost wonder if it, instead of trying to take the direct shot, do you like, if I'm going to my sister's in Texas, do I just go North, like up into Mississippi? You know, even if I have to go into Oklahoma, you know, Arkansas and Oklahoma, and then down at least I'm moving and yeah, I'm probably going to spend more on gas, but that I can't imagine if I was in bumper because actually I can't imagine because when we came home coming into New Orleans, it was awful. Mm-hmm. I mean, starting around Laplace, it was just, well, actually starting at Baton Rouge, I experienced Baton Rouge rush hour traffic. Hooray. Um, but then getting into New Orleans, it was just awful because apparently everybody was coming home that day. Um, but you know, so I, you know, I don't know. It is one of those things. Do you, and, and, but you again, you're, you're just thinking, get the hell out. You're not thinking, yeah, I, what I, is the most strategic way to go? I, I mean, I was. Like, we looked. I, I was Google mapping everything. You know, I was like, okay, this look, this route looks red. This this route looks deeper red. Um, you know, so, like, there was some calculus involved in this. And it was like, this, I would have gone straight up north, like you got, y'all did, and then cut east. Um, but the causeway was, like, solid red by that point causeway and I'm, that's I'm not, I'm not sitting on the freaking causeway <laughs> that's, that's that's and for yeah. by the way anybody listening to this doesn't know what we're talking about the causeway is the longest bridge over a body of water in the world i believe I think it's the second longest and so now. it's all over lake pontchartrain but um you know, but that's the other thing. It depends on what time you leave. That's it. Cause like Fredo, you're talking about leaving at seven 30. Dave, you guys left about seven 30 as well. No, no, we left around one, one in the afternoon. Yeah. Okay. So, but even by seven 30, that's when normal sane people leave. Right. My, my dad, when we would go on family vacations, we would, we would hit the road by like about 5 AM, you know, between yeah. four and 5 AM. And we, it would be dark when we'd go out and then you'd, fall asleep in the car and you'd wake up and we'd have donuts and you know sunrise coming up 
dad loved early morning stuff. And that was the thing that Brittany and I were talking about. It's like, if we leave any later than seven thirty eight, it's going to be hell, you know? And, and I, it's, I knew what I was in for. Yeah. Same like, here. I mean, I, honestly, like, and like the thing is, I just didn't have it in me Friday night to get, get myself out the door. I just, I didn't have it. Like I could not emotionally say, well, we're going to pack everything up right this very second. It's like, and I that had, was, and I that was going to be my I question. Time. And that was going to be my question. It's like, yeah. well, well, first of all, the storm came up fast. Um, mm-hmm. but that was, that was, that was going to be my question is like, why did we all wait so long? I mean, what, what Latin, maybe this is just a rhetorical question, but you know, we're the same way. It's like, we could have just packed our stuff up and left Friday afternoon and be out of the way and been drinking beer in Natchez, Mississippi and been all fine, you know? And, but there, I think there's something more I, who the hell wants to ride out a hurricane. I mean, unless you have to, well, that's but then it. again, it's, but then again, it is, it's your home and your well, home is a part of your family. There's that. And there's also, and this is something where, and it's your Growing community here, as well. It's just it's it's a fact of life. You you don't presume to back. I mean, anybody who lives in the Gulf uh, Coast of this country knows full well the hey, it's a tropical storm. We don't move. Category one now. Category two. Yeah, which way is it going? Category three. Okay, you know we do that dance on a yearly basis because we get so many of these storms. And look, it, everybody knows that evacuating is expensive. Look, I was going to family. Some people don't have family yeah. outside of, and particularly the, a lot of the folks currently impacted in Jean Lafitte and Terrebonne and Homa. I know people who just, their, neighbor, their next door neighbors, family members. The people down the street are family members. So if they were going to evacuate, all the people that they would evacuate to are next door to them. So well, I, it proves that much harder to make that decision to just leave. You know, and I tweeted out, I said doom scrolling earlier. You know, everybody was doom scrolling Twitter. But actually, oh, yeah. that, that was a lifeline. Forever, just to know if I if I saw Dave tweeting, I knew Dave was okay. You know what I mean? If I yeah. if I saw one of my friends who stayed in New Orleans, if they were tweeting, I knew that they were okay. Um, Do you know I, what the cav- the caveat to that though is that it's um, it's too much, um, it's too emotional, and and like you need to take breaks from it. Yeah. And like the, I think like that was what was going on for me Friday night. It's like uh, we 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 went from we're gonna hang out with our hurricane snacks to oh crap we have to leave over the course of about three hours and um, it was just too much for me at that moment to deal with so like for I was like let's just take a moment breathe cope. <laughs> Well, and you've got, and you've then, also got the added um, bonus. You've, you've got to, you've got to maintain yourselves so that you don't freak out your three young children as well. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah. you know, like them and Lucy, your dog, they're going to read your emotions and know that this ain't right. And so, I mean, I would imagine as parents, you got to make this seem like, hey, kids, we're going on vacation. This is going to be all right. We're going to be good. I'm lying through my teeth that this is just going to be the funnest thing that we've ever, and you try your best to make it as normal as possible. And that is ignoring your own feelings, you know, and ignoring the things you're going through. 
and I don't mean that critically. I mean, I, I'm saying that empathetically. I, I know that has to be awful, you know, it's like, and, and then tough to deal, um, you know, deal with everything else. So, um, yeah, no, I, I like it. I mean, it, it comes with the territory, right? We signed up for this. So it's like, it, it's something that you have to do. But, uh, I think that these are the, these are the sorts of conversations that you have internally. And I think like, I forgive anybody and like totally understand anybody who's just like, well, I just shut down. Yeah. I shut down for a while. It's like, I couldn't deal with it. It's like people get off, like turning off your social media for a while. Mm-hmm. I get it. Um, and so like, again, that's kind of what we did Friday night, knowing set our Saturday would be that much worse. But for us, it was worth the trade off because it was like, we just, we just need some time. So, and I think part of it is, is a, you know, maybe it's something that you can, you know, you think of the same things. Once you're done, I mean, trust me, drafts up. But once I was there and I was knew my folks were safe and everything was going to be all right, I could take kind of a moment and just breathe. Mm-hmm. Because that's the thing. It's staying brings, you know, like I know for a fact my brothers would have been freaking out if we had decided to stay because we would have been this incommunicate, you know, able to communicate with them for a few hours and every breath under the sun, you know, every, every imaginable worst case scenario would have played in their heads. So sometimes, you know, you know, by making that up to having that opportunity to leave, you know, Dave and Kate made the decision, but of to leave, but it's also a question of now you're in a safe place. You know, the kids are going to be fine. You make it an adventure, you make it some fun, but it's okay. You're not freaking out because like you're thinking about that tree coming through right through the house. Well, you know, and, and this is the last thing I'm going to, that was God, we are thinking we've got a 200 plus year old Oak tree in our backyard that mm-hmm. dangles dangerously close to our bedroom. You know, it's like, and so I will fast forward to, this was the cool thing about social media. We were sitting in a bar in Natchez, Mississippi and Brit saw that somebody that we follow on Twitter, never met them face to face, um, was kind of walking around Gentilly and she sent him a, a direct message said, Hey, here's our address. Would you mind just drive by? Cause we had no idea if there was any damage to the house. All we knew the power was out because like my video camera was gone. I'll, you know, every, and, um, when he sent the three pictures of our house and we saw that there was nothing sticking through it or anything, it was just like, uh, Oh my God, you know, just that weight lift. But there, that's the thing. That's the cool thing. Uh, New Orleans in, in my experience, it's it, everybody talks about Nebraska nice, but New Orleans people will look after people they don't know. Mm-hmm. And that is that is such a very very cool thing. Um, so now, all right, Star Wars evacuations in Star Wars. Let's let's just go let's just go through the movies kind of in uh, sequential order, I suppose. So, uh, Episode One, did we have any evacuations? We did. We evacuated Theed, didn't we? Yeah. Well, I guess partially. You know, I guess you know the Queen and you know the higher ups. They all split while other people were occupied. So there's a little bit of a, you know, yeah. little you know. There's and you know one of the real one of the real things you know that I saw is very, you can't fault anybody for saying this that evacuating is a privilege. You know, it's yeah. very very much a privilege. So in here in episode one, you had 
the queen and her muckety mucks, they all got out, but the rest of Thede, rest of Naboo, was under occupation. So they all got hit with the disaster. The privilege thing, you're absolutely right. But I also think it's interesting to think about it from the perspective of um, her looking back, like from afar, because she does that at, at, later on in the movie. And she's like, people, people are dying, are suffering. Yeah. Our people are dying. Yeah. Uh, what would you have me do? You know, like that kind of they have that dialogue and it's like you see it like from afar. You see what's happening back home and you feel helpless. And that's a real, very real emotion. Um, but, yeah, I, you know, the other thing, the big one for me, the, the really big one, and it's not an evacuation per se, but it's leaving home. Anakin, yeah. Anakin. And um, I think, like, one of the biggest things that I've seen people say in the wake of this particular storm has been to lament the changes that occurred. There's a lot of Katrina um, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder in our community. And I think what most of the people that went through that, I mean, obviously there's so many different things that occurred, but one of the biggest things for, for people that went through that is how much their community changed in the aftermath. People that were displaced uh, and never came back. Um, these sta- these these community staples that they just adored that never returned. You know, like these kinds of things. Like everything changed, and it never went back to the way that it was. Right. Um, one of the thoughts that I'd had um, just in dealing with this and seeing people work through those feelings and emotions has been that I think the world's always going to change. Right. And these, these are violent, abrupt changes and I don't want to minimize them, but the world is always going to change. And I think like the more profound thing that occurs in situations like this is that we change and we take the trauma on and we take it with us and it, it informs who we are later on. And, and you, like, if you might end for... up slaughtering younglings in the Jedi <laughs> temple. Is that what you're saying? I mean, if there's one example in star Wars that we could point to who had, who had trouble with separation, you're right. Let it go. Right. Yeah. Um, this is clearly Anakin. So, so uh, um, that's the most powerful one for me in yeah. the entire saga. So episode two evacuations. Do we have any evacuations in episode two? Nope. 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 I mean, uh, you can't really call Django evacuating. Yeah. So. No, I was going to say Anakin and Padme flying back to Naboo with refugees. Remember, uh, don't use normal transport. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. And then you got Boba. Again, Boba, uh, part of the Django thing. It would have been harder on Boba to leave. uh, Because that's the the only home he knew. Sure. Yeah. Episode three, we have obviously Yoda hitting the road to Dagobah. That's literally running for your life. Um, Obi-Wan, same way to Tatooine. And that is, you know, I mean, that's throwing away. They were, you know, at the tippity top and they were going to live lives as hermits, you know. So, um and, you know, and a lot of a lot of sacrifice there, a lot of sacrifice there. You know, um, 
and they left a lot of they they you know I guess you know, it's interesting because in episode four we're led to believe that all the Jedi were wiped out and then we're kind of led to believe you know when you learn about Order sixty six that maybe all the Jedi were wiped out but that wasn't the case not all Jedi were so Yoda and Obi Wan they're still colleagues and friends and you know family in quotes you know that they didn't know they were alive or you know or not and so you know they had no way of checking right you know i can't reach out there and put my myself out there because then i put myself in danger and that's the thing is we never put it into context of we just think that they're doing the noble sacrifice thing you know but that i mean that's I mean, that's awful. I mean, we can't say it's got to be awful. It's awful to sit there and go, we haven't seen such and such tweet for the last, you know, couple hours. We haven't seen, you know, this or we don't, you know, that your mind goes eight gazillion ways. Yeah. I mean, think about it in in those exact terms. But how so-and-so hasn't tweeted for the last seven years. So this is... (laughs) This is, I mean, this is really, I don't want to make this sound really trite or anything like, but one of the lines that actually, that has helped me get through some of the loss that I've encountered is the line that Yoda says to Anakin, you need to prepare yourself to lose the things that are dearest to you. I'm, I'm paraphrasing yeah. that, mm-hmm. you know, it's like when, when my dog Josie got sick you know, and had cancer. I, I mean, I had to start preparing myself yeah. that she was going to go, you know, I had no time to prepare myself for my dad leaving. You know, I didn't, that was so sudden, but you have to, as much as you don't want to, there is something you got to start preparing yourself for. I'm going to, I'm going to lose my parent, you know, or when I'm evacuating might lose this house. These walls might not be standing and you do have to, as much as you don't want to think about it from me personally, I had to make myself think about it, that this, this might be possible and to live in that reality for a little bit. And, you know, it, it, again, and then it makes you start to think of what is, you know, what is ultimately most important to you. Of course. The, The other thing with the Jedi that immediately like comes to mind for me is that they had to, like settle for unfinished business kind of a this like there were all these things that they wanted to do with their lives like we're going to make the republic great again (laughs) or whatever um come on dave gone (laughs) yeah i know uh but it's gone it's just gone so like okay so i had all these career goals gone um i'm displaced now and you think about that for like people who will get displaced by these storms. And again, not to get too political, but there are always these questions that come out. Oh, why should we rebuild this community? It's in the path of a storm or whatever. And it's like, that's your home. Yeah. And, and that's everything that you know and love. And so it, let's not be callous. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, everything it's not just the people and the places and the things, but also like your ambitions and your goals and the things that you want to do with your life. And you have to just uproot all of that. I think one of the hardest parts is, uh, cause obviously in the aftermath or during, 
the natural questions come by a lot of people are, have had or haven't about moving and whatnot. And part of the thing is, you're right, it's about that sense of community that you develop where you live. I mean, if you choose to live someplace, if it's not just you and then you got blown by the winds of fate there, you choose for a reason and that reason remains valid no matter what happens. I mean, look, there are folks who live, choose to live in South Florida who know full well that the Atlantic is coming up their doorstep. There's folks who live in the Midwest, you know, any day, you know, during certain times of the year, there might be a tornado outside their living room door. You know, there's folks who live in Southern California or in the Pacific Northwest who, you know, one day the earth might move underneath their feet, you know, but they choose to live there not because there's a risk, but because there's something about that place and the community sense that they develop and that attracts them, that calls to them. That's just, well, and that's, part, that's something you look for. And I think that's one of the things that we miss and we struggle with when we're all scattered by evacuations, by hurricanes, because we're disconnected from our normal everyday community. That's one of the, that's one of the hardest parts that one of the biggest things that kind of got lost post Katrina was that, and people still yearn for it to this day. It's that, or that initial sense of the pre August 2005 community that existed here, even though it wasn't perfect, if, even if on the contrary, it was difficult and it was tough. Just living in this city is not easy. Living in this area is not easy, but people choose to do so and then they yearn for it and they come back to it. So, um, back to the, back to the movies here. Um, so in Rogue One, well, I, I guess maybe I should back up Solo. Solo, um, Solo is a little bit different because they're kind of they're trying to leave. They they want to leave. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it's and and they don't want to come back. Um, so there's really no other one there. I don't think Rogue One. Rogue One's a little bit different because Jetta has. I mean, they're trying to get get the heck out of Jetta before because this you know of course they've just been hit with a sudden disaster like what you're talking about Fredo if a tornado hits and you know just pops out of the sky like they do um so that was that was very real um you know it's a contrast to like what we all lived through this most recent time because it's like we weren't under like some sort of pressure you know like there's oh i gotta get out of here by this time you know we had a really short window but we all left by saturday which gave us you know basically plenty of time to get out so it wasn't quite the same in that way so it's an interesting thing to see like it's a it can be a violent thing for people so you think i always think about that scene with the little girl in the plaza with the when the um you know the firefight breaks out and she's mm -hmm. separated from her mom and she's just wailing and jen's like let me show her some kindness um and that kid eventually dies, I guess. I mean, it's really a exactly. sad movie. Exactly. But exactly. maybe, maybe she, no, Dave, maybe she got out on the ship with Ponda Baba and Dr. Evazan. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, maybe, no. maybe everything is okay. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I mean, but that, that is a little bit interesting because, you know, some hurricanes you see coming, okay, and you know it's going to be a biggie. And they're there. You see them coming from several days away. Like I said, this one, we didn't, the, the mayor couldn't call a mandatory evacuation, didn't have time to do it because it blew from a, 
yeah, whatever, a category two, two, this is going to be a category four, maybe even a push and a five, you know, it's like, and like overnight. And so, so we were a little bit, it was a little bit Jetta like kind of, I mean, but yeah. yeah. So, um, the, the decisions were being made within a matter of hours. And by the way, boom. By the way, I do want to I do want to pause here for a second. I want to say that um, I will probably be one of the last to criticize um, people who have to make decisions like this because I I watched I worked with superintendents who had to decide whether or not it was enough snow to call off school or not, and there is no good answer. You. And I know somebody's probably going to say to me, you're dealing with people's lives. Yeah, I know you're dealing with people's lives, dealing with lives of kids. Negative 39 degree wind chill was okay to put kids out on a school bus stop, but 40 below was just a bridge too far. You know, they have to have, it's, there's just no good way to do it. Um, And so, you know, we don't know all the logistics that go into, it's like, oh, just set up ContraFlow. We don't, we don't know what, what are all the hoops that need to be jumped through to get that done? It's not like just, yeah, okay. Tell everybody to go that way. It doesn't work like that. So, um, and like I said, this was a special deal. All right. So back to star Wars, um, rebels had some evacuations. They had to evacuate Lothal. Um, they had to evacuate, uh, well, the, you know, the rebel crew got out of Lothal while it was under occupation. They also had to leave their chopper base. Um, cause Thrawn, figured out where they were um and they're constantly on the run from the empire yeah i think it's just the nature of the show that, that that was a necessity for all of those characters but it was kind of striking if you think back to how each of them i think there was a storyline for for each character that sort of revolved around this idea of like i i'm gonna try to go home and i can't and I have to leave my home again. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's, it's tough. Well, and, th- and also you think about all these, like when the rebels evacuate chopper base, you're leaving behind. It's not like you're packing up everything in the base and, and leaving. We'll talk about that in a later movie here in a second, but you're, um, we got to take a picture of Dave there. Uh, <laughs> you, you know, they're not just packing up everything in the minivan and off we go. They got to leave stuff behind. You know, and then of course it's like, you don't want to leave stuff behind that's going to become useful to, you know, somebody else. It's like one of the reasons why you grab all of your important documents before you evacuate a hurricane is not so that you have them when, when, and if you need them. But if you leave all your social security information in your house, somebody breaks into your house and can find those important documents and that creates bigger problems. Mm Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, because what happens in the aftermath is you're having to prove all that, use all that documentation to apply for assistance and support. And, you know, it's a lot easier to do it when you have the letter saying, yeah, this is me, this is my policy, let me put all that information. Because it's thousands of us, tens of thousands of us all applying for support. And, you you know, it's a lot easier to steal somebody's identity in that moment, as we unfortunately find out every time that and to get scammed because unfortunately the world we live in, not Star Wars, people scam you here. So in A New Hope, our first evacuees that we ever see is R2-D2 and C-3PO. Yep. I mean, they 
jumped in an escape pod and, you know, down to Tatooine they go. Um, and they had a kind of rough time of it. Um, but also in that one, um, I suppose you got, um, you got Luke I'm leaving Solo home. blasting them free of Tatooine, basically. Well, yeah. Um, yeah, that you know, that's a fun one. But I, you know, I think Empire is a more that's stark that's, example. That's the biggest evacuation that we see, you know, because it's like it's literally we've got to get everybody out of the Hoth base, and and here it is, you know, <laughs> this was what they did. I always laughed at this in in um, the Family Guy Empire episode. He said said. Because even though there are infinite routes that we we can leave from this planet, we're deciding to run straight into the blockade, um, and that that always struck me. But that's that's kind of what Brittany and I did by going north. We knew we were still going in the storm path, you know. So it, while we weren't heading into the storm, we were going in the direction that the storm was going to be coming. But um, yeah, I drove right into the blockade. Yeah. <laughs> You know, um, there's a line that stays with me that which sort of ties back to what you were just talking about, Aaron, which was like you having to make these weird choices about like what you're going to take with you. So uh, so suddenly uh, like a jar of peanut butter to me is more valuable than lobsters, you know, because it's like, well, this is more useful to me in the short term. This is going to keep my family fed, whereas, you know, all things being equal, I'd rather have the lobster. But um it's like luke is talking to the guy and he's like i don't think we can or the droid i don't think we can evacuate everything and and he's like well just you know start with this stuff and you know they'll be maybe there'll be time to do the other stuff later right and it's like oh yeah you know you're making these weird choices well and and now you now you bring up a point they they were starting the evacuation before the empire showed up Mm -hmm. so it was kind of like what we all went through we knew there was a hurricane coming so people were starting to talk about evacuating and then all of a sudden it was a category four all of a sudden the star destroyers are on you know in the system and uh you got to get the hell out now so yeah Uh, that was a smart bit of writing honestly over the years I've, i've really appreciated that when the probe droid comes down they kill the they kill the probe droid. You know, like it's a good bet the Empire knows we're here. Start the evacuation. And it's like it, it's all very it makes sense the way that it unfolds. And that's right. when Star Wars is at its best, is when you can be like, Well, I see the logic in that. I and I, I can appreciate that. Um Return of the Jedi, I don't think there are any real big evacuations there. Just fleeing the explosion from uh uh Java's sail barge. That's about yeah, it. Yeah, I wouldn't. I don't know if that would. Count. <laughs> and the Death Star, right? You got to get away from the Death Star before it explodes. Now, uh, Force Awakens, though, um, getting out of Jakku. Uh, yep. Actually, Finn and Poe leaving the. Uh, but of course, that's another one where they they want to get out and they don't want to come back. You know, go to the one in Jakku. That is, you know, Ray's just doing this to get help back. help these people and then she wants to get back to Jakku and she can't um and then of course they're uh having to well i guess the empire or the first order shows up on Dakar no not not on Takadano yeah. 
Takadano. Takadano. Um, and uh, so those, those those are in Force Awakens. Um, what about Last Jedi? Yeah, at the start when they're back the car because That's the right. first the order is coming and then and then they're stuck in the traffic that you were in like it, it was <laughs> took them it took them 25 hours to fly through space <laughs> that's 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 perfect that's on the nose you you were able to live out the last jedi right now yeah that was fun <laughs> <laughs> well and then they, they actually they show up at a um a, re- an, a rebel base that was abandoned at one point so um, and there was still gear and stuff left there. So, you know, old gear, <laughs> you know, there's like this weird kind of, you know, we sometimes we're hard on the sequel trilogy, but there's kind of this underlying feeling of this, of paradise lost Well, but, a, at times, you know, where well, it's like, Oh, I can't get back to home or I want to get back to home or do I? And, well, however, this is, I mean, I mean, this is not this is not a new narrative, obviously, because you know it's. I was thinking about just a little bit of, just a little bit ago, Mash. I mean, some of the best Mash episodes was when they had to bug out, you know, because all of a sudden the the front was they were you know the front line was pushed and they were into en- enemy territory, so they had to camp, you know, collapse the whole camp into trucks and go find a place to go. Um, and again, but they had to leave structures. They had to leave certain things. Yeah. You gotta leave stuff behind, behind. You know, so it's like, and, how do you how do you determine when you're leaving your house what is essential and what is not? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's all it all dictates because Brittany and I we we took both cars. My car had the dogs, and you know her car had the stuff. You know, so it's like you can only take so much stuff. So, um, the thing about Ray too is like I think it's interesting as a character is that she eventually figures out that there's no reason for her to want to go back to this place that she wants to go back to. And um, Luke sort of goes through that same journey in the original movies where it's like, it's like I used to live here, you know, you're going to die here. You know, it's like, uh, yeah, this place isn't so great. Is it, you know, I don't necessarily need to stay here, but, uh, but Anakin is the one that couldn't let go of it. You yeah. know, he's like, I need to go back to this desert planet for some reason. So, uh, Rise of Skywalker. Nah, there's nothing really uh, big there. They're just doing, they're just getting chased all. They're just time. getting chased all the time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, so I guess if we if we missed any, hit us up on Twitter. Let us know your favorite Star Wars evacuation. Um, that sounded dirty. Um, but uh, and I think we need to. I'm just gonna call an audible here because I know we we've talked a long time. I and I don't want to shortchange uh, Shang Chi. So I think maybe we just maybe we just do a quick around the horn, just kind of initial impressions on that movie, um, without going too deep into everything we saw. Um, and so I'm well. First, okay, so I, I do want to know from Dave where does it rank in your? I'm sure you figured it out. Where does where? I haven't or, really sat down and like put the rankings on this one. Yet. Now you saw my brother-in-law tweeted to us um, that it is now his favorite Marvel movie, and I haven't had a chance to ask him why. Um. So I guess uh, I don't know. I, I, I I'll just shout out yeah. mine real quick. Totally dug it. Loved the characters. Um, loved the storyline. However, it's the typical hero's journey. Um, 
it also seemed a whole lot like Black Panther. I mean, just kind of from the, you know, the, there, there was just a lot of similarities. Um, uh, but, um, like I said, I, I, the, the, what was a, was I, there was something I was going to say. Um, I lost it. Uh, but no, it was, like I said, I, I, what Marvel does so well, I, like I said, I had no idea what this story was going to be about, um, going into it. Zero, zero, and nothing. I, what, I remember asking you guys, what's this going to be about? Um, and I was engulfed in the story from the get go. They did a good job of telling this story. Um, it's not a new story. Like I said, it's just a hero's journey. Um, but, um, you know, it's, uh, but yeah, so it was kind of yeah, cool. It's, it's a lot of fun. I was struck by how funny it is. Not just, you know, yes, you have a, yeah, because the trailers don't show that, do they? It is much, very funny. Uh, it's slightly different to say, and that's one of the interesting things. It's, it's, it's the same, but it's different. Yes. You still have to hear his journey, but it's flipped upside down and given, the role that uh, Shang-Chi and his, and his sister, Shilling, have to go through. Uh, there's a lot more emphasis on family, a lot more emphasis on, on units of people. You know, yes, the movie's called Shang-Chi, but it does a really great job of highlighting that he's not alone, whether it's with Aquafina's Katie or his sister or some other character. So it's really well done. And uh, the other thing, it's very, very colorful. You, and I guess the last thing I would say is that uh, um, it does a really good job. It, I was thinking about this with the fight sequences, like the sequence in Chinatown in San Francisco felt a lot like Jackie Chan police story. Because yeah. he's not just fighting the guys, he's rescuing people and he's having to contort himself and kind of go outside. Yeah. Or say the fights in, uh, in Macau and some of the other areas, they feel more like Jet Li, Kiss of the Dragon, some more of those Hong Kong action things. Uh, so it's interesting that they were that the the cast and crew were picking from here and there regarding uh, Asian cinema, and of course, Ronnie La, Ronnie Long has uh, has been on everything from a John Woo movie to <laughs> a period epic to the original version of The Departed. So. And I will say that this is a, this is another one of those Marvel movies where you do, haven't, you didn't have to see another Marvel movie ever and you can go yeah. enjoy this movie. So Dave. Yeah. yeah I, like, I like that about it too. Um, especially with an intro story, you don't want to have to like have this investment of 50 movies or whatever before you go in. So it's like, yeah, you can just go in blind and I don't want to ruin like who was involved in this particular poetic dance, but there was a scene with two characters when they're fighting and the fighting turns into kind of foreplay. Yeah. And, uh, and that was so lovely. And I thought that was directly influenced by crouching tiger. Um, and, and so like to Fredo's point, there's so many influences from, from Asian films that we've seen over the years that you, like you said, the Jackie Chan stuff on the bus, like, like, totally like they again it's an homage it's deliberate i know that that's what they're doing uh and i really appreciated it because i watched a lot of those movies over the years and i really enjoyed them so um it's a really enjoyable movie even if you don't like comic book movies you could probably still really enjoy this um because it was interesting yeah no dave it's interesting that 
even though it clearly takes place within the MCU and clearly it, you know, you have Wong and the Abomination and there's ties to the Avengers that comes down later and into, you know, they do a great job of tying this back to both Iron Man 1 and 3. I'll leave it at that, uh, particularly 3. It's very self-contained. Like, mm-hmm. if you knew nothing of the MCU, if you know nothing of Marvel movies, you've never seen a Marvel movie, you can go in this blind and enjoy it and have a great time and go home and go, I had a blast with that. Mm-hmm. You know, and you could, I I can already tell that, you know, we said, I think Scott Colesby said that, you know, um, Captain Marvel was going to be the shoulders that uh, this new phase was going to be on. It's going to be Captain Marvel and Shang-Chi. It, it, it's, yeah. it seems to be that th- those are going to be, you know, the, the pillars for this for this phase them too and dr strange is what i'm thinking just because of the multiverse element that they're clearly establishing and clearly pushing and it's only going to get that yeah but you look, at those, deal. you look at the, the spider-man footage a whole other discussion you know now, you look at the like, spider-man yeah. footage and it looks like dr strange is kind of uh he's not fully on the team um i i have my i have my own theory about like who who the most important characters might be oh yeah yeah well well we we definitely need to get into that just because it's going to get interesting i mean we know eternals is coming in november and the interesting thing is marvel seems like they already know we're going to give you four tv shows or we're going to give you four movies a year you know eat as much of it as you like well like i said you guys have ruined me now it's to the point where a Marvel movie comes out. Before it was like, eh, and now I've I've got to go see it. Um, so yeah. Um, so we got Visions is coming up in a week Very or two. Soon. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna have some some interesting uh, Star Wars conversation going on that. So like I said, maybe we should have a more in depth discussion on Shang Chi. And find out where after Dave especially has put it in his ultimate rankings. Um, <laughs> and you know, uh, might be interesting. Maybe I need to see if my brother-in-law needs to come on and tell us why it's his favorite uh, Marvel movie. Um, but um, yeah, anything else for the good of the order before we say goodnight? Uh, we covered it. So I hope everybody out there is doing well and safe. And by the way, um, uh, yeah, I, I was reminded of the WKRP episode when Johnny Fever told everybody to take their garbage down to City Hall, and uh, <laughs> that's what everybody may end up doing, you know. Just um, so if it's not one thing, it's another in this city. I tell you, like they, like it's just okay. We can't pick up trash. That's it's just something we're incapable of doing now. So yeah, they say that you know times, you know, you know. You know, but times of great stress reveal things like character, but they also reveal where the fault lines and the mm-hmm. breaking points are. Yep. I mean, we're finding out, you know, whether it's something as simple as picking up your trash can or something as complex as where juvenile inmates or elderly nursing home patients evacuate to. It's not, you know, unless somebody's on the ball, stuff gets dropped and that's when we find out where what got dropped, unfortunately. So anyway, 
Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I'm not advocating going and throwing your trash on city hall steps, but you can watch the WKRP episode. It's really good. Um, but until then, I guess, uh, like saints, saints have Carolina this week. So we'll say who dat. Who dat. Who dat. And, uh, we'll see you guys next week. You know, we're, we're back. So have a great week and be safe. Thank you.